is true, your word is sheer and amen. I pray, Lord, that you help us to live by the dictates of your word in Jesus' name. Lord, as we round off this uh, study, I pray that your spirit will open our eyes personally to areas where we need to adjust. Open our eyes to the dangers of worldliness and help us, Lord, to handle those areas so that we can be equal with you. Thank you, Father, for hearing. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Proceeding from where our brother stopped, danger of worldliness, or we say dangers of worldliness. It is obvious that there are dangers or danger signals, danger warnings, when a Christian, so-called, decides to be worldly. When a child of God decides to tow the path of the world, when a believer, rather than following Christ, chooses to follow the, the, the path of the world. Now, one of such danger is what we find in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Can we open our Bible and let's read together? 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Okay, let's read it responsively. Verse 15 reads, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 16. All right, let's read 17 together. And the world passeth away, and the lost thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. One of the first dangers that we find in worldliness here, or loving the world, doing the things according to the dictates of the world, is that it removes the love of God from our heart. We are all witnesses that it is the same time that we will have spent praying, spent studying the word of God, spent doing some spiritual activity or the other, that we also expend before entertainment, before movies, on social media. While we were studying in our group, I shared with my group before, that before I had a, bought a folder that had TikTok installed, I bought a particular folder. I was the one that installed the TikTok by myself. And the first day I scrolled open and, you know, saw stories. You see, they will play some, 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 some drama. Some is a song or something. You watch. And I watched, I watched, I watched. I kept watching. And then another one flipped open. Or I scrolled up. Another one will come up. I kept watching and watching and watching. And by the time I checked the time, two hours had, go, had, had gone past. The unfortunate thing about that time that went past was that those were the hours that I normally dedicate for prayers. I just wasted it without knowing on TikTok. Scrolling from one story, one video to the other. 
Now, it suddenly occurred to me that this sin wants to kill me. So, on that day, I deleted that app. I said, no, you will not kill me. You will not kill me. Most often than not, we are not, we are not quick to realize that the world is trying to get our attention. And the trouble is that the content creators, they are making their money as you are watching their stories, as you watch their videos. They are making their naira at your own expense. You are spending money to buy the data. You are the one spending money and spending your time. Time you should have engaged to do something more meaningful, particularly spiritually. Usually, those times are usually exclusive. So, the Bible says, he that loves the world, he can at the same time not also love the Father. Now, Jesus says something very striking in Matthew chapter 6. I want us to read Matthew 6. Verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. Are we there? Church, are we there? Let's read together. One, two, go. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one, the one, and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. Media, please, can you help us with a simpler translation? Maybe an NLT, New Living Translation, or Amplified. Okay, let's, let's read together. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will, devote, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, in brackets, money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Amen. So we are seeing what the KJB translated as mammon. Amplifier calls it money, possession, and fame, status, whatever it is that we value more than God. It's frightening to note that NLT simply call it money. Say so you cannot serve God and money. I thought he would have said you cannot serve God and the devil. No. But he placed them side by side. You cannot serve God and money. Meaning that we have to be careful when it comes to the pursuit of money. The love of the world, which includes the pursuit of money, is capable of driving far from us, of removing far from our heart, even the love of the Father. And that's the direction along which the world in which we live the generality of the youth of our generation. That's the direction along which they are pursuing. I pray that God will deliver us from that craze in Jesus' name. Now, another danger is that it creates enmity with God. Our popular scripture, James chapter 4, verse 4, simply says, Adulterers, ye adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Is enmity against God? Enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I think it's wisdom on our part not to make ourselves an enemy of God. The Bible says, Whosoever will make himself a, become a friend of the world, 
if you befriend the world, if you woo the world, you automatically make yourself an enemy of God. And of course, we are safe to use it, use that expression and go away because we have defined what we are talking about when we when we talk about the world here. We are not talking about the trees or the oceans or the river, but we are talking about the system, the culture, you know, the way, the ideas of, of the people of the world. Now, if you love the world, you make yourself automatically an enemy of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 7. Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind, if you set your heart on the things of the flesh, if you set your heart, you decide to be a carnal Christian, the Bible says the kind of lifestyle you have chosen to live is nothing other than an, being an enemy of God. To be carnally minded is to make yourself an enemy of God. It is wisdom on our part to choose right. I would rather choose to be a friend of God than be an enemy of God. Because with God on our side, there is no mountain we cannot surmount. And even the people of the world do say it. That one with God is what? Is the majority. But if God is the one now fighting you, if God is the one that now has become your enemy, then you have a serious issue at hand. It is wisdom on our part as children of God not to make ourselves an enemy of our Father. God will help us in the name of Jesus. Another danger is that to embrace worldliness is that it embraces temporal, temporal things at the expense of eternal things. We saw in 1 John 2 that we read the other time, verse 17. 1 John 2, 17. It says, For the world passeth away, and the lost thereof. For he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world passeth away, and the lost thereof. For he that doeth the will of God, he does what? Such a fellow we abide forever. I want us to read one more scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7, 31. 1 Corinthians 7, 31 says, And they that use this word as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. There is no fashion of the world that is enduring. I remember when I was a teenager, there is a kind of trousers we used to wear. They call it baggy trousers. It is contrary to this one I'm wearing now. Because the mouth, we actually go to the front to fill up the space of the shoe I'm wearing. And if you are wearing a high shoe, high heel shoe, it will cover until you get to the sole of your, of your heel. If someone wears that now in our time, how will you look at him? Eh? You look at him and consider him old school, Abby. Someone will even ask, what is wrong with you? Are you all right? But that circle is coming back. Watch it. Maybe in the next two, three or five years, it will, oh, he's back. Th thank you. He's back. But it was when I was a teenager, 
that I encountered it. And I also joined them to wear it. I felt big. I felt good when we wore it at that time. But where is it? It has passed away. The Oleku that our sisters used to wear, eh? it was in the 80s that I first encountered it. Eh? Now it's coming back again. So there is no fashion of the world that is permanent. So like the presiding elder said, if you decide to keep pursuing the world, you have decided to make your life an experiment that will never finish. That will never have a conclusion. It is choosing temporal thing at the expense of the permanent. And the scriptures abound with examples of men who have looked at temporal things and have chosen it at the expense of eternal things. And the scripture also shows us how those men lost out. A case at hand, Esau. Esau came back from the field one day and said, Bros, Jacob, I am hungry. Feed me without your pottage. I don't know what came over Jacob. He said, no, not so quickly. Settle down. Let's strike an agreement. And he said, I will give you the pottage if you are ready to sell me your birthright. Uh -uh. That one said, what is birthright? Birthright. It has no meaning to me. Well, I'm famished. I'm almost at the point of death. Give me the pottage. You can take the birthright. And the Bible said, on that day, there and then, he despised his birthright. And according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 16 and 17, the Bible said, he sought for it later with tears. He couldn't get it. If you read that story in, the, in Genesis, very, very funny, very interesting. That when he returned and the father should and say, ah, Esau, who was it that came to collect the blessing? So I blessed him, and he is blessed. Then Esau said, Father, please, even if it is one blessing like this. Did you hear what the father said? He said, I have made him your Lord. Finish. He said, you also be strong, oh. you'll be blessed. Oh. But when you have become strong, you will deliver yourself with your sword. What kind of a blessing is that? We saw another man that chose the temporal at the expense of eternal. The man called Lot. Abraham carried him along. When, you know, God told Abraham, get out of your father's house, out of your kindred, out of the land, and, and I will take you to a place, I will bless you and make your name great and make, make you a blessing and all of that. So Abraham magnanimously took Lot along. And as Lot increased because of the influence of, his, of the presence of Abraham, the presence of the God in the life of Abraham. He forgot his source. And his headsmen and the headmen of Abraham began to strive. And Abraham said, no, Lord, it's not correct. We should not strive. We are brethren. Choose. The land is before us. Choose. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. If you choose the left, what will I do? I will choose the right. And the Bible told us that Lord lifted up his eyes like this. Eh? As I'm lifting up my eyes, can I see any one of you in the church? No, I accept somebody at the gallery. But the Bible said, Lord lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain. 
of Sodom watered. And he chose it. And Baba didn't argue with him. He said, okay, that's what you have chosen. Go ahead. And the man went the other way. Not knowing that the path he has chosen was a land that has been marked for destruction. We still read this story very pathetic. Up to today, it's a pathetic story. The way he ended. The wife looked back from behind him and became what? A pillar of salt. So it became a warning unto our generation. Luke 17.32 says, remember Lord's wife. Don't look back from behind the master. Keep looking at Jesus. He's the one that we are to resemble. He's the one that we are to pattern our lives after. We are not supposed to pattern our lives after anyone around us. Yes, they will hate you. They will call you names. They will call you SU. Is it not better they call you names than to have Jesus reject one at the end of the day? May that not happen to any one of us in Jesus' name. Now, another danger of worldliness is that it destroys your Christian identity. It destroys your Christian identity. Let's read from Second um, Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14 to 17. Verse 14 to 17 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. When a Christian decides to model himself, uh, mingle himself or herself with the world, his Christian identity is modeled up. In my group, as we were studying one of those weeks, a question came up that was tackled centrally uh, after that, that same day. That can a Christian be the, uh, the best friend? Can your best friend as a Christian be an unbeliever? And we started pulling it and started pulling it. Of course, we saw that the answer is no. Even where or in a situation where the two of you had been friends before you got born again. You see, the truth is that the day you get born again, there becomes a separation comes between you. Because you have become light, and he still remains in darkness. You have become the temple of God, and he or she still remains the temple of idol. So there is nothing eh, that we that we, that we join you together. And I remember in that, my, our, our group, a brother was sharing his experience. He said he went to serve, and as a Christian, he felt he should establish a light. But on one of those days, uh, a friend called him and said, let's go and uh, visit some friends downtown. And they went to visit. 
And when they saw that they were coppers, they attempted to entertain them. And guess with what? Alcohol. That's what we are saying. That if you choose an unbeliever as your best friend, your business partner, your marriage partner, eh? they will model up your identity. That's the truth. That brother that day was compared to drink beer. Thank God he has repented. He has straightened his life. He was compared to drink beer. Eh? He was compared. That's what happens when you begin to work with worldly people. They don't see it as anything. That's, that's, what, that's just normal. Just enjoy yourself. Be free. Be free. Just be free. Be yourself. In fact, if you want more, there is more. Excuse me. I have worked in a beer parlor before because my parents were running one. In those days, the fact that you don't have money does not mean you will not drink beer. Because your friend will come. And what will they do? They will declare surplus. And if you are a friend of a drunkard, ah, it's a dangerous thing. You are a that says, he will eat shit. And the other man says, Abo Kim Barao, Shima Barao, interpretation, the friend of a thief himself must be a thief. So mind who you associate with. Whoever you mingle with has a way of affecting you. So the wisdom for a child of God who wants to become Christ-like, who wants to live a godly life and not a worldly life, is to associate with like minds. Look at Daniel. He had his associates, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those brethren helped pull each other up. Look at Esther. Even though she was in a strange land, a queen in a strange land, but she was still listening to her uncle, Mordecai. And every instruction given to her, she complied with. The next danger is you become unequally yoked. And we have read that scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 14 to 18. I will read verse 17 and 18 now so that we can pick it. Of course, okay, let's start from verse 14. Where the instruction began from. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, And be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? Verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 18. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God will help us in the name of Jesus. Can I, at this point, uh, say... So every brother in the house, every sister, every child of God, who is at the point of marriage, and uh, is saying because no brother is coming and age is telling on me, let's try and believe her. Oh, they're nice. It's nice. It's actually not violent. And it's also very generous. It's okay. If you try that, you will be marrying a generous devil. Or what looks like a gentle devil. 
And you see, I have seen God left those who decide or decided willingly to go headlong to be joined to an unbeliever. God decided to leave them to suffer more before they are delivered. God, once you marry an unbeliever, please, who, who, who becomes your father-in-law? Eh? May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. It leads to destruction. Living a worldly life leads to destruction. Earlier on, we cited Luke 17.32. And another scripture here is Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. It reads, But to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death, or to be worldly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And what Jesus has come to give us is life. John 10, 10 said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and have it more abundant. It's wisdom for us to embrace the life that Jesus has brought and embrace it wholeheartedly. Don't allow the love of the world destroy you. Check through the scripture. The love of the world has always destroyed people. Look at Amnon who raped his half-sister. Because he had a bad companion in a friend called Jonadab. 2 Samuel 13. What became his end? Even though he was a prince, he was beheaded. So when the Bible says, He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, I become wise. Say, But the companions of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs 13 20. So, Let's be wise. Let's not have make companions with fools. And who is a fool? Proverbs 14.1. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Anyone who is not considering God as his God, as God. Anyone who does not relate with God as, as the Almighty is a fool. That will not be a portion in Jesus' name. Several other examples. Samson. When he was playing the romance with Delilah and the Philistine women going to the harlot to always going down. And every city he went, he was always seeing women. And seeing women, not even women of Israel. Because the father asked him, I said, Samson, you are going to Philistine to marry. See, have you not found any of the daughters of your people to marry from? He said, no. Marry her for me. She pleased me well. And that was what led to his destruction. Excuse me. Do we suppose that that was, the way something that was how God intended it to be? I don't think so. Go and check the generals of God. God does not allow them to die like that. Check them one after the other. Look at David. They all slept. One for war already soon. Look at Elisha. Even the one that looked as if he died of sickness. But the Bible said he was sick of the sickness we are in. He went to heaven. At the sick bed, what was he doing? He was still being a blessing. He was still giving instruction to kings. 
Let's look at handling worldliness. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Being worldly is very dangerous. Very dangerous. And it starts with having a peep. I was just reminded very quickly now of the story of Dina. The daughter of Jacob. The only daughter of Jacob. Genesis 34. The Bible says she went out to see the daughters of the land. Finished. She went outside the confines, the boundary of her father's house. That was it. Talking about being unequally yoked with unbeliever. Handling worthiness. The first sin is genuine salvation. Everybody say genuine salvation. Alright, thank you. Let's read from the scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17. I want us to read it together. Want to go? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The first way to under, uh, handle worldliness is to become a new creature in Christ. Is to become separate. And like chapter 6 of the same scripture, and verse 17 says, come out from among them. That's come out of the world. Identify with Christ. The Bible says he came to his own. They did not believe him. See, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become what? To become sons of God. So if you will also come out to accept and embrace Jesus, he will give you the power to be a, a child of God. We have heard of stories of people who were chain smokers before. The moment they gave their life to Christ, the smell of smoke begins to irritate them. There have been people who are, who, are, who are terrible drunkards that the smell of alcohol actually began to nauseate them. Many of us did not know me when I was small. I was gentle, but I was a gentle crook. Did you hear me? I am gentle. I don't look for trouble. Unless, if you find my trouble, I will give it to you. But I would normally not go out to look for trouble. Very gentle. But I was a sinner. I was a gentle sinner. <laughs> and it was the day I gave my life to Jesus that I saw, ah, life is better than death. And from that point, I could no longer go with the friends we were going with before. We were coming together to meet. I couldn't go with them again. Because I saw that their lifestyle will not be compatible with the lifestyle I just embraced. And if I made the mistake of hanging too long with them, what will happen? Very easy, they will pull me down to their level. Secondly, constantly renew your mind. According to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
There is nothing like because you have been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years, the world will not still try to tempt you. They will still try. They will come around you. When the devil could even tempt Jesus. Eh? As a, see, that's the height of it. Whoever you are, no matter for how long you have been in Christ, they will still sound you out. Or can you join us? So let's constantly renew our mind. And God has made this easier for us now in this generation in which we live. Even while you are driving, you can be hearing the word of God. And even while you are sleeping, the word of God can be playing. It was Benny Hinn. I was listening to Benny Hinn. One of those days, he said his son. You know, he went to one of his son's room and he saw him, you know, playing the scriptures. Just reading. And he said, that thing drives away demons from your room. I said, eh, beautiful. So renew your mind. The reason we are still thinking like the people of the world is because we associate too much with them. And we don't find time to renew our mind in the word of God. You know, they are the ones we work with. You go to work every Monday to Friday, sometimes for some people Saturday. What do you do? You go to work. And when you are in the staff room, what are they discussing? They are discussing their fears of the world. Eh? And what will you do? You also put mouth and join them to discuss so that you can be relevant. And even if you do not put mouth, what will you do? You will be here. And when you get home, you did not learn the wisdom to purge your spirit with the word of God. That's the water that is capable of washing us, according to Ephesians 5, 27. Purge your spirit. Purge your soul. The Bible talks about the salvation of your soul. Your spirit is so saved. But your soul, you need to keep saving it by dipping yourself, meditating constantly, even in the word of God. That's renewing your mind. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16 In all wisdom, let the word of God dwell in you how? Richly. Not sparingly. Let it dwell in you richly. That's the way you will have the arsenal to pull out what? Arrows, sword, whatever from to confront whatever thing the devil is bringing. How did Jesus overcome the devil? It is written. It is written. And the devil also now came and told Jesus, say, hey, hell, you are not the only one that knows what is written. Mm. When we are going to tell him, say, it, it, is, it is written, it is said, eh, that I will give his angel charge over you. So jump down. Jesus told him, be careful yourself. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. For him only, shall you worship. And the devil understood and left him alone. So let the word of God dwell in us richly. And another control or handling way of handling the worldliness is not to make anybody in the world your standard. Our youths have the people they follow. They have the celebrities 
The Adekolas. Genevieve, Celine Dion, and all of those people that you follow. They become your idol. Abby, and you keep looking up to them. Sometimes you want to start dressing like them. Sometimes some people want to start talking like them or acting like them. When anybody other than Christ becomes your example or your standard, you are going gradually. You are going gradually. How else do we handle the world? Or how do we fight the battle against worldliness? Is to give attention to spiritual growth. Give attention to what? Give attention to spiritual growth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, Okay, let's read from verse 1. First Peter 2, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy with envy and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the world that ye may grow thereby. Desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. There is a need for you to pay attention to your spiritual growth. How do you know that you have grown? How do we know whether a child is repeating class or has been promoted? If the textbook you bought this year is the same textbook that has been recommended to your child, what has happened? Eh? It's repeating class. It's marking time. If the battles or the issues that flowed you last year are the same issues you are still struggling with this year, then know that you have, you have not made progress. Apostle Paul was talking to some people, he said, for by the time you ought to have become teachers, first Corinthians, you, say, you, you, I, I, you still need someone to teach you the elementary, the rudiment of, this, of the gospel. So give attention to spiritual growth. And how do children go? That first uh, Peter that we read gives us insight. Every child that is born, by the time they are coming out, you see their mouth is moving. They want to suck. And if you are not quick to give them what they are asking for, what will happen? They will this finger, this, some it's this, some it's everything. Into the mouth. Why? They want to eat. They want to grow. They want to exercise. Give attention to spiritual growth. Apart from the church declared fasting and praying, do you have any days for your own personal prayer? I need it. church they always calling us up to fast in our church. So there's no need for me to go the extra mile. Some of us have never read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation. And you have been Christian for more than 10 years. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. 
I'm, 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 I'm compelled to call to mind the illustration that Brad Dimola gave last week when he said, if you are told that for reading four chapters of the Bible, you'll be given $2. Is it $3 now? How many chapters will you read? And of course, we responded. Some said, we read 10 or 20. Some people will even stop going to work. After all, what are you going to do at work? She better up by one Abby? And some people stop going to work and sit down with the Bible and start reading. But you see, if you don't know that the Bible is much more than that, you will not give attention to it. And that's how your spirit grows. And at this point, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the story that um, these are brothers shared in um, ABM of last year. What is his name now? Okay, you remember, sir? Hmm. He said, in his church, they just started the church, and he's a man given to prayer. That, that one, they do 10, 10 hours, 12 hours straight. Say, but starting a church, you can't start a church based only on prayer. They must study the word of God. So, he gave them a challenge. Every worker, oh yeah, read the New Testament over, say, one week or something like that. Eh? One week. Okay. So when the week was over, he now made an altar call. How many of you have not read the New Testament in one week? Let's clap for them. Come out. And they came out. Because he wanted to pray for them to receive grace, to be able to do it, to read it this time around. So one of the sisters was challenged. I said, ah, how would they call me out to not read the Bible? She okay. And I will read it. And she read it one time, went back again, started reading the second time. And by the time she was finishing the third time, her eyes propped open. She started seeing angels in her roof. One, and she was counting. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ah. And at the end of the day, Jesus appeared to her and shook her and said, Welcome to another realm of power. Young men, you have been looking for power, right? Give attention to the word. You will grow. Your spirit will just become big. And by the time that revelation was over and she wanted to go out of her room, she saw that her bed was already wet with water. Ah, you don't see what's happening here. Did Jesus also come with water? When she now opened her door was when she saw her neighbors. They have gathered. They were helping her to point because they saw flames going up. What was bringing the flame? The fire from the word of God. Let's give attention to this book. It's no, it's no other book. Let me share another illustration and then we begin to pray. Some years back, I read a book written by Robert Leardon titled, I Saw Heaven. And in that book, he shared the testimony of how that he had to live with his grandma. And the grandma was this old-time religion mama who will compel a four-year-old boy to read four chapters a day. So the boy had no, no, no leisure of playing baseball as an American boy or basketball or even soccer because the four chapter must be complete every day. So he got used to doing the routine. On one of those days when he turned eight, he entered his room and carried his Bible and 
on his bed. He said, as soon as his head hit the pillow, pew, his spirit was translated. And an angel appeared beside him and took him to heaven. He said he was seen as they were going past the cosmos. They were going past their room, their country. And he was looking down at the earth. How it became like a ball and all of that. And he went to heaven. He was shown his life from that point. His life, his ministry, the person he will marry, the children he will have, the people that will help him alongside in ministry. He was shown his life until he was lowered to the grave. You think that kind of person will come back and remain the same? That's not the testimony. Listen to the testimony. The testimony is this. He said, when he came out of his body, how old did I say he was? Eight years. Thank you. You are following. Very good. He said, he saw himself as huge, as lanky, as a 30-year-old man. That thing did something to me. What? What was it that made the spirit as huge as a 30-year-old man, an 8-year-old boy? It was the word of God that he has eaten. Give attention to the word and your life will be transformed. Let us pray. Lord, I want to be more holy in my heart. Lord, I want to be more holy in my heart. 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 Lord, I want to be Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Lord, I want to be like Jesus. In my Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart, in my heart, in my heart. time, Lord, I want to be more godly. Lord, I want to be more godly in my heart. Lord, I want to be more godly. Lord, I want to be more godly in my heart. 
song to prayer. Lord, help me to be more holy. Help me to be like Jesus. Help me to be more godly in my heart. Help me, oh Lord, not to be worldly. The grace, oh God, for me to be sanctified, set apart, consecrated to a life of holiness, a life of godliness, a life of Christ-likeness. Father, grant unto me such grace. In the name of Jesus, help me, O Lord. Can you talk to God? Help, you know, ask God to help you in whatever area. We've been coming like for four weeks now on this study. Whatever area the Lord has opened your eyes to, even as you are coming with this study, can we pray that God will help you as a person to overcome all those hurdles? God will help you to live like Christ, to live like a child of God. The grace to live holily, such that people see Christ through you. Lord, grant unto you. to prayer. Just turn it to prayer. Say, Lord, grant me, make me like Jesus. Help me to resemble Jesus in everything. Grant me a gentle heart. Help me, O oh Lord, to resemble my master in everything I do. In my reaction, in my action, in my words, in my deed. Let people be able to see me and see Christ in me. Thank you, Jesus. 
give you glory and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Now, one more thing I want to find out, just in case you are in the house and you are not yet a child of God. All that we've been talking about, discussing or studying since the past four weeks, will not have any meaning in your own heart. If you are not a child of God, you are not yet born again, yes, you've been coming, you've been company with us. You are a member of a church, but you are not a member of the body of Christ. If the register of heaven's records should be open, your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. And you want to amend that today. You notice that that's the first point in handling worldliness. Can you please raise up your hand if you are like that in the house today? Raise up your hand and let us pray together. Raise up your hand wherever you are. All right, if there is no such, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and we exalt your name. Thank you for coming to us at a time like this to open our eyes to see this truth, the truth of your word. Thank you for challenging our hearts to begin to live like Christ, to, be, to, to begin to live a godly life. To begin to live a life separated from the worldly people. We ask, oh God, for grace, Lord, to do this from henceforth. Grace to make amends where we need to, where your word has hit us the most. Oh, we ask, Lord, that you grant us that grace in the name of Jesus. Grace to begin to, 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 to resemble you meditate in your word until our heart is transformed and renewed to the point that we can resemble jesus grant us that grace in the mighty name of jesus thank you father for hearing in jesus mighty name we have prayed 